Take your copy of God's Word and turn to the little book of Titus in chapter number 3. Titus chapter number 3. Today I want to spend my time with you around this theme as we talk together about the moment that everything changed. The moment that everything changed. In case you are visiting here today for the first time or watching online or on TV for the first time, I want you to tell me, my, my name is Keith. And I, I'm a Christ follower. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the one who left all of heaven and came to the darkness of this world and enlightened my life and gave me, gave me his life so that I could be different. I want you to know that before coming to Christ, my life was destined to be lived in a different way. The Bible says that I was following Ephesians 2 and 2, the course of this world. But then there was that moment when everything changed in my life. See, I was destined to live a different life. But not only that, the darkness of the world was pulling me to a, to a different life. And then the devil himself wanted to keep me in deception. But there came that moment in my life when everything changed. I want to ask you today. Has there been that moment in your life when that everything changed? Now think about this. Maybe I should put it this way. Maybe I should ask the question this way. Has your life changed in the last five years? Has your life changed in the last five years? Now, I imagine that if I were to bring the, the preschoolers in our church here and, and ask them the question, has your life changed in the last five years? That They would say something like this to me. They would say, Pastor, I, I wasn't even alive five years ago. If I were to, to ask you as the students in this room are watching today, I would ask you, has your life changed in the last five years? They would say, certainly you would say, yes, because, now watch that you've gone from middle school to high school or from elementary all the way up, up maybe into the middle school years. If I were to ask the adults in this room, has your life changed in the last five years? You would say, yes, it has. See, the truth is from the book of James, in chapter 4 and verses 13 to follow, that, that life goes by so fast. Can I get an amen? Life goes by so fast and things change in our lives. We know that this past week or the last few weeks in Israel, and now with all that's going there in the Gaza Strip, I, my heart just breaks today as I think about all that's going on. I, I, think, I think about the, the single mother who's there in the, in the refugee camp, and she's being used with her children uh, as the, the detractor so that the Israeli soldiers may not kill the Hamas that's behind them. Imagine her life. Her life changed in a moment. And I want to tell you this, but there's another moment that I'm talking about today. I want to talk to you about the, the moment when everything in your life changes because you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you have not had that as of yet. There are two things I'm going to lay before your heart today. I want to talk to you today that if you have already come to know Christ, there is a life to live because you've changed. There's a life to live because you've had that change in your life. Others of you today, there, 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 is a, there is a change that you need to make. Or put it this way, there's a life to live because of Christ, but there's also a life to receive. There's a life to live, and there's a life to receive. In the book of Titus, we, we find this truth so vividly taught. Uh, the book of Titus is, is Paul, the apostle, addressing a letter to one of the young men that, that he had mentored. And as Paul was on one of his missionary journeys, he came to the island of Crete. I, I'm going there 
uh, in January of this next year to do a conference. They're coming from quite a few different nations to that conference. And in the Middle East, they're coming for that conference. But, But Paul had gone to the island of Crete. And here's what we discover from reading the Scripture that what had happened was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that some of the people that were there on the day of Pentecost, the 3,000 that had been saved, they were released and they went out and some of them were from the island of Crete and they had gone back and they'd founded a church. And we discover this, that as Paul was traveling on his missionary journeys, he came to the island of Crete and discovered two things. He discovered, first of all, that they needed leadership. They needed leadership in the church. And the second thing that he discovered was this, is that they needed to progress in in their faith because the truth is they were not living the life that God had called them to live. So what Paul does, he takes Titus, who's there with him, and he leaves him to set, chapter 1 says, set in order, Titus, the things that that are lacking. And he talked about leadership. In chapter 2, he taught them about what it was to live this life. And and chapter 3 begins with these words. Here it is, remind them. He said, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, and to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, let me ask you this question. Do do you know anyone who is submissive to a ruler, they're submissive to authority, they're obedient to God, they're ready to do every good work you'd ask them to do, and they speak evil of no one? And listen to this, listen to this, they also, not only, they not only speak evil of no one, they avoid quarreling, they are gentle, and they show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now let me ask you this question, how many of you this past week, because of the movement of God in your life, because of the moment that God changed your life, that you did all these things perfectly this week? I want to report to those of you that are watching this or those of you listening to this today, there wasn't a hand that went up in the room. Because the reality of life is this, is that we live in a dark world and we need reminders in our lives. Amen? We need reminders in our lives. I'm reminded of how that Sherry and I, a few weeks ago, she was driving my vehicle, and, and, and we have this in, in, with our insurance company that there's that, this little box that's there in our vehicle that monitors our driving so that we could, we could earn points if we drive in a safe way. But because I wasn't driving and I was on the other side, I got my phone out, and it was going to actually scan. It was on a Saturday. I was going to scan ESPN, and Sherry said, hey, 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 do you have your Bluetooth on? Well, in that moment, I, I was able to say No. We drove just a little bit, stopped at a particular place, and got back in the vehicle. She's still driving. I get my phone out, and she asked me for the second time. She said, do you have your Bluetooth on? Now, friend, in that moment, I'm getting a a little bit stirred. I mean, tell me once. I I need to know that. Tell me a second time. I'll own that. Well, we stopped again and got back in the car the third time, and guess what she did again? Yes. She asked me a third time, do you have your Bluetooth on your phone? At that moment, I felt like just a little child. And I want to tell you, I was not in that moment living, listen to me, living as I should in relationship to the life that God had called me to live. Paul said to Titus, remind the people in Crete that they are, there's a life that they are now to live. Now, here's the question. How did they come to this life? 
How do they come to this life? Well, go back with me, if you would, to chapter number 2, chapter number 2 and verse 11. Listen to what the Scripture says. Here, listen, here it is. For the grace of God has appeared. What is or who is the grace of God? Who is the unmerited favor of God? Friend, he is saying here that Jesus has appeared. His grace has come to this earth. Now think about this, and it has brought tra- salvation to us. Jesus Christ came so that sinners could be saved. Jesus came so that no matter what you used to be, that there could be a moment in your life that you would come out of the sinful life that you used to have and live this new life. And listen to me, Paul was saying to Titus, Titus, remind these people that because of the grace of God that's been revealed, you need to live a different life. Now, I want to tell you, we live in a world that needs this kind of life. We live in a world that is upside down. We, we live in a world that is vicious. We, we live in a world that, that that's, it's a powder keg. It's a powder keg and the fuse is burning. And we are the light that ignites it sometimes. But listen to me, when Christ comes into your life, you, are, you become a new person and you are listening to be submissive, to be obedient, be focused on good works. You're to be a person who speaks evil of no one, who doesn't quarrel with other people. You're gentle and you show yourself and all ways to be courteous to the people around you. you. Say, Keith, how in the world can I do that? Well, when you receive Christ, chapter 2, verse 12 says this, God trains us to renounce. You begin now that you are in this new life. You want to live in a new way. He trains us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, to live self-controlled, and to be upright and godly in this present age. Now think about what he's just said. We are now training. We become spiritually, we spiritually work out every day. See, there's a life to live because there's been a moment in your life when everything changed. So I want to challenge you as a believer today that this is a great opportunity for you to step up and step out in your life to make a difference in this dark world. Because I want to tell you that when you live the way Scripture says to live, you automatically are so different, so radically different, that people want to know what about your life. But not only that, friend, don't you want to be a person who's submissive and obedient? You say, well, that sounds like a sissy to me. Well, friend, that's not a sissy. It takes a warrior to do what God says. It takes a warrior who would renounce ungodliness. And I want to tell you this today. We do not murder the unborn. We give them life. It takes a warrior to do that. We stay faithful to the person that we are married to. That doesn't take a wimp. That takes a warrior to remain in that relationship. We reject all the pornography of the world. 75% of the men today in America are hooked on some type of pornography today. Why? Because they've never had a movement of God upon their life. And I want to tell you, and watching online and television, listening by, by radio today, I want you to hear this clearly today, that when there is this moment when everything changes, when Jesus becomes Lord of your life, you can overcome and renounce those ways because Christ is is in your life. Christ is now in your life. He's brought this to you. He's literally imparted to you this new life. Now think about this. We don't begin this life, do we? We don't begin this life, friend, living the way that we're supposed to. Go back with me to chapter 3, where that, that, that the writer reminds Titus to remind the people. He says this in chapter 3, verse 3, and I quote, For we ourselves were once foolish, 
We were once disobedient. We were once led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We passed our days in malice and envy. We were hated by others, and we were hating one another. Now think about this with me for just one moment, friend. There was a day when you were foolish. Can I get an amen? Now, there's foolish things that we do in this life. And listen to me, and, and, and you say, well, is it all foolishness bad? Well, if you use the word, is that you're just kind of kidding with each other. There, there's some silly things that we do. We might, we might recently with, with Halloween, the, you might have scared someone, and, and that's kind of a silly thing. But, but the word foolish here means this, that the Bible says in Psalm 14 and 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. See, a foolish person, when, when I was in high school, they, they were the ones that everyone laughed at. And, and think about this, when, when, when a person gets drunk, they just kind of do what they do, foolish things. And, and they're the life of the party. But then, friends, when the party ends, when the night comes that after the party and you go out and you're, you're drunk and doing a foolish thing, getting behind the wheel, and the accident comes and you, and, you, and you mar someone's life or you take their life or they're mangled for the rest of their life. Listen, the foolishness has ended. For many of you, you don't realize the reality. You're still doing foolish things, but, but people have moved on. They've gone ahead and got away from the parties, and, and now they're participating in society, and they're living the right way, and they look at you, and there you are in your foolishness. Can I tell you that you need a moment in your life that everything would change? And I want to tell you there's a God in heaven that can change your life. We were once foolish, but listen to this, also disobedient. We were doing exactly the opposite of what God wanted us to do. In the book of 2 Timothy, in chapter 2 and verse 22, it says this, to put away youthful passions, to be a person that puts away a disobedient life. Listen to me. Some of you are anti-everything. Your answer is always no. You're anti-God. You're, you're anti-law. You're just anti-everything. And here's why. Because you're in the darkness. You are foolish and you are disobedient. And my heart goes out to you today. My heart literally is bleeding for you today. You say, Keith, why? It's because you're led astray. You are literally a slave to a passion. I want to tell you this today in this house, and I want to tell you as you watch today, I want to tell you today that there's never enough sex that will satisfy your life. There's never enough trips. There's never uh, uh, enough drugs. There, there, there's just never enough money. There's never enough of this life because, listen to me, all that this life is with all the things in this world is a Band-Aid over the problem, and there's a hole in your heart that I want to tell you this, that only a moment where that everything changes can fill that hole. Jesus said it this way in John 6 and 35, I am the bread of life. He who eats of me and drink, drinks of, my, of me of my life will never hunger and never thirst again, because only Christ satisfies. Hallelujah. Only Christ satisfies and can change your life. And some of you are believers today, and you've quit living that life. You say, well, how do you know I've quit living that life? Because of what's going on in your life. Some of you came to a moment where that maybe there was a hurt, and instead of, of, of forgiving and moving beyond it, you turned to bitterness. And here, the writer Paul says in verse 3, that some of you were led astray to passions, and some of you pass your day in malice and hatred. I meet folks sometimes that, that they're, they're, just, they're just all messed up and hurt, and maybe that's you today. I want to tell you there's a better way for you to live. There is a way that God has come, and I want to tell you that the older that I get, 
because of what Christ has done in my life, because of that moment in time, the life that God's called me to give, I find myself crying more than I ever had tears of joy. I find myself today loving and caring and being a gracious giver because of the change that Christ has made in my life. And I want to tell you, I'm meeting people today that Christ is working that Christ is working, Christ is changing. I want to tell you today that God loves you and is thankful that when you follow Him, you see, friend, there is a life to live, a life of godliness, a life of holiness, a life of joy, a life, listen to me, where that there's joy out of sorrow, a life where there is, there's peace out of tribulation. John 16 and 33, Jesus says, in the world that you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In Jesus, you can have peace, friend. Now, some of you would say this today, I, I know there's a life to live. And, and in the room, if you are living that life, let me say today, praise be unto God. Give Him praise and thanks. Watching, if you're watching or if you're driving somewhere and listening to this, give thanks to God that you have what you have in Him and what He's done in your life. There is a life to live because the grace of God has appeared. But also this, there is a life to receive. There's a life to live, but there is a life to receive. Here in verse 4, it says this, but, do you see the, the moment when everything changed? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Hallelujah. The word saved here in the text speaks to us of something that's in a desperate position that needs to be rescued, but it cannot be rescued on its own. It's a cat that's fallen into a storm drain and is stuck there in that storm drain. And somebody comes along and with compassion and mercy and grace and reaches down. And sometimes as they reach down, that cat will scratch them. But they care more for the animal than they do themselves in that moment. But greater still, the king of all of glory cared enough for you in your wretched state that he came and rescued you. He came down, listen to this, the Bible says he came down to save you say, why would God do that for me? But here's why, because of His goodness. Our God is not just an okay God, He is a good God. The word good there speaks about an absence of badness. It's a God that has no sin in His life. Do you know the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that Christ Jesus came he who was without sin, he who was without sin, without wrinkle and spot and blemish, that he went before God the Father and offered his own, listen to me, blemish-free life, his, only, his good life before God to save him. You say, Keith, what does this mean to me today? It means a couple of things. Number one, it means is this. This is not something that you have to work to receive, just receive it. You don't have to work to receive it, just receive it. You see, our part in being saved is simply to repent, which means to change directions and believe. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 13, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to become a person that in your life that you believe that, he, watch this, that He is good, but also this, that He is kind. 
in his kindness. Now think about this, friend. When you were driving 85 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone, the 35-mile-an-hour zone was there on that roadway because it was a curve, and it was determined by the Department of Transportation that the safe speed was 35, but you're driving 75. Now watch the kindness of God. I don't know <coughs> if it's his angels or his own hand, that God's hand was there, that God protected you in that moment. It was that night that you were out and you were taking that, you were taking that drug. It was an overdose moment. You should have died, but God let you live. You're like the guy that I, that I met on visitation one day, and I was sharing with him about Jesus, and he said, you don't have to tell me anything about Jesus. Here's what he said. He said, the devil had so deceived me and so discouraged me. He said, I'd made so many bad decisions that I thought that my life was worthless and there was no hope for my life. And he said this. He said, sir, I want you to know. He said, he said I, I sat down on my back porch with a 38 Smith & Wesson and I, and I revolver, and I cocked it back. And he said, I said to myself, there's no hope for me. And he said, I put the gun to my head, and I snapped the trigger, and nothing happened. He said, I snapped it again, and nothing happened. I snapped it a third time, and nothing happened. And he said, in that moment, I began to shake. And he said, a light shone upon my life. And, and I knew in that moment that there was a God who in the midst of my foolishness had showed me kindness. And the man said, wait just a moment. I want to prove it to you. He went into his house and he came out and with three bullets. And right there in the center of the bullets was the indentation where that it actually snapped and it should have gone off, but three times it did not. I want to tell you, friend, there is a moment in your life where that God can change if you will come and listen to me. You don't have to, friend, do something. Just receive Him. You don't work for it because He is a kind and He is a good and He is, listen to this, He also is our Savior. He's the only one who can do it. Just receive it, friend. And you say, what's the second thing that you want to tell me this, Keith? Not only do you not have to work for it and just receive it, also this is believe that you are worth saving. Believe you are worth saving. I want to say to you in this room today, that God himself and his kindness looked down upon time and looked to your life when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he says that you're worth it. You say, what do you mean? But Keith, you don't know what I've done. You, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm doing right now, what I did before I came to church today, what I did before that, that I turned this program out. Friend, don't turn it off. Don't turn the radio off. Don't turn the TV off. Don't turn the internet off. Listen to me, for God can save you. You say, how, how does he do this? Listen to what it says. Not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 16 says this, Yea, we come together in reason, and even though our sins were red as blood, that Jesus Christ can wash them and make them white as snow. What does that mean? It means that God can take our sins, now watch, through His own blood, and listen to me, He can make them as if they did not, hallelujah, exist. That is the power of a holy God. He can wipe, now watch this, He wipes them away from your record. He not only wipes them away from your record, he wipes them away from the memory in heaven. 
I know there are people, friend, here up on this earth who you say, oh, they will remember me. But I want to tell you, there's a church in Jackson, Georgia, where the church is filled with people who used to have a record. But hallelujah, our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because each of us had a moment when everything changed, when we repented, when we believed, and when we received Jesus Christ and Jesus presented our life before the Father, having cleansed it in the moment that we confessed. If we confess our sin, he, hallelujah, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, my friend, from all unrighteousness. You say, Keith, how does that work? He, when we are forgiven, all of a sudden, God recreates us. He literally infuses upon us. He imputes to us His Holy Spirit. We literally become, we are renewed. Now think about this. He says in verse 6, He pours it out richly through Jesus Christ. To pour out something richly means he pours it over. It, it, it is that John 1 and 17, grace upon grace. It is 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14 when Paul says that God's grace was sufficient for me, that it poured over me. And he said there's a saying that's worthy of acceptance, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. He said, Paul said of his life, he said, I'm the foremost of all of them. But God shows it as a pattern. And today I've stepped behind the sacred desk to tell you this, that there is a life to live if this has already happened to you. If Christ has imputed to you His righteousness, if Christ has saved you, given you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you because the Holy Spirit is the power source, you are able, my friend, now listen to this, to be submissive and to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. You can avoid quarreling. You can be gentle. You can show perfect courtesy toward all people. You can renounce ungodliness. You can be a man who overcomes the worldly passions. You can live self-control. You can be upright, and you can be godly in this age. How can you do that, Keith? Because Christ has poured out Jesus in your life. So today, I say with the Scripture, so that being justified by His grace, you become an heir according to the hope of eternal life. Now think about this, friend. Because of Christ, verse 8 says, now you devote your life so as we prepare to leave today, I want to say this to you, those of you that, that, that are born again, that have come into the kingdom of God, there's a life you should live. There's a life you should want to live. And it's time in this darkness that we live in. I think back to that woman who's there in that refugee camp with her children. There's a life that we can live, a life that moves us to give so that we can get missionaries there. There's a life that we can live that we literally say, I've got to go myself. There's a life to live where that everything changes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that everything changes. And friend, if that's the life that you are living, give Him praise and glory and continue to do that. But also this, if you're living that life and the enemy comes against you, renounce him. You have authority. You are an heir of Jesus Christ. You have authority in the name of Jesus to overcome him. And so cast him out today. Have faith. Pray, believing that whatever you ask, you'll have because you ask according to his will. But then there are those of you here today, I want to say this to you. If you're saying today, I want to live that life. 
but I don't have that life. I've got good news for you today that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has appeared. Christ came 2,000 years ago, and today he's appeared on your TV screen. Not me, but the truth. It's appeared to your heart and your mind. God's opened it up. The, the foolishness has been, been removed for a moment. And let the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ come in. Right where you are today, take this moment in your life and say, God, reveal to me the truth. And in this moment, I want to say this to you, that God loves you. And all you need to do today is to own to God, God, I am a sinner who deserves hell. But I realize in your goodness, in your kindness, that you sent Jesus. And Jesus today, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the boss of my life. Take complete charge of my life today. I want to live for you. And friend, today I want to tell you, there's a life you can live in the moment that you receive Jesus Christ. If you allow me, congregation, let me speak to those who are watching or listening today. You've got just a few moments. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you've never done it before, to reach out to me today at pastorkeith at jacksonfbc.com and tell me about your decision. Reach out today at info at jacksonfbc.com. Reach out. There's someone there for you so that we can send you a Bible, so that we can connect you to a church if you're from somewhere else. You need this life. There is a moment when everything can change, and today, in Jesus' name, have that moment where you are. And then, listen, get involved in a Bible-believing church like Jackson First Baptist Church because we help you to live out every other moment so that you can flush out this life and to live this life more than you ever had before. And I just want to tell you, this is a great place to be, to be a part of, because God is here, and you need to be in a church serving Him with all your heart today. 